0: to conversations about life.
1: Well, thank you, uh, Chip, for um, meeting with me uh, for this conversation, and thanks, Billy, for joining me with as a co-host. And we are at the Real Grand Bible ministries. Did I get it right this time? Yep, you got it right. <laughs> All right, in Edinburgh, Texas, and t- Chip Schmidt is a, a winter volunteer. And there's quite a few winter volunteers down here and they um help out, they volunteer their time um helping out on the campus with construction and different things like that and tutoring and what do you help out with, Chit, Chip?
0: My uh hobby for many many years has been woodworking so i work in the cabinet shop okay and my wife is an esl teacher and okay she gets pressed into service with that and i sometimes help her so i'm a, a part-time esl teacher as well
1: okay all right that's neat i was i've been impressed with um the cabinetry work and everything like i was looking at the shelves that were put up in in one of the rooms where things are going to be recorded and the desk that was made for um Billy, the stand-up desk, and I, I like, um, I recently bought a table saw at a garage sale, so this kind of interests me a little bit, but it looks really good, the work that's done here. Well, Chip, you, um, and your background um, is a, as a doctor in eternal, internal yeah, medicine? That's right. Okay. And where are you from?
0: Cedar Falls, Iowa.
1: Okay. And you're... Um, married and um just give us a little overview of your of um just your who's your wife um just tell us just a little a little bit about yourself
0: well my wife is linda we've been married 42 years okay we have two boys um one about ready to go to uh, the mission field in africa with aim okay and uh, he takes along a wife and two kids and then we've got a son who is a computer engineer slash grass-fed beef farmer in iowa okay and uh, they have two kids as well
1: okay all right and before we started recording um you were telling me a little bit about how you um you know came into the christian faith in like a, a personal way um and it was um through kind of the evolution creation controversy and you know all of that stuff um Can you um, just kind of go over a little bit of how that worked out for you um, and how you
0: became a Christian? My parents are Christians, and uh, there are three pastors in the immediate family. So I I had a lot of exposure. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say that church and Sunday school and vacation Bible school was, you know, they were all a regular part of of life. Um, My dad is German, and he didn't talk about it much, mm-hmm. and uh, so I kind of developed my own feelings, but um, everything was going well spiritually with me, I think until about eighth grade and I had uh, along the way become passionately interested in science and uh, read henry morris's book um, uh the genesis record I think it is mm-hmm. and uh no it's it's one about it's about the flood anyway but um that's a really old book now, because I was in eighth grade a long time ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I uh, I saw a lot of conflict between Scripture and what I was being taught in science. Mm-hmm. And I, I really struggled, and I, and I instigated a, a Sunday school class that dealt with this subject, taught by a, a, a super nice guy who didn't know a great deal about science, mm-hmm. and, and probably didn't know Scripture as, as well as, as uh, he might have. But... When I asked about this verse and that verse, and as it related to this, he he eventually got frustrated. And he said, you really shouldn't read the Bible word by word or even verse by verse. You should just read it for the big picture. And what that told me was that the Bible doesn't hold up under scrutiny. And I I turned off my Christian beliefs like you turn off a radio. Click.
1: And you were pressing him on evolution. Like, how does that... You know how does this that that doesn't seem to fit with the scriptures well, right
0: yeah and and i I was aware of the different ways that it, it's been tried tried to reconcile scripture and science mm-hmm. the day age theory that each of the twenty four hours in, in uh, the creation account are actually millions of years or hundreds of millions of years, and the gap theory that between Genesis one one and Genesis one two there's a huge period of time
2: mm-hmm.
0: or the idea that evolution was was the process and that god guided it it's called theistic evolution mm-hmm. and i couldn't buy any of them <laughs> it just didn't make sense to me and um so anyway i launched in a period of life where had you asked me i would have said i was an atheist mm-hmm. and i went off to college with that mindset and i, I was in electrical engineering and, and graduated in that but i, I did have professors along the way who were evolutionists, and then I got interested in medical school possibility anyway, and started to work comparative anatomy and other things into a, a double-E curriculum, and uh, as I studied some of those things, I, I realized that people were parroting what they'd been taught. They hadn't really thought about it a great deal, mm-hmm. and they believed it with fervor, but the, the, the whole thing was kind of empty, and and I, I as i studied it i realized that common sense doesn't support the idea of evolution i mean a, a 2 year old can tell you that accidents break things they don't make things and the chemistry of it the physics of it information theory probability it, it's just stacked so much against evolution and the fossil record really doesn't support it either mm-hmm. so i started to really question what i had come to believe which was evolution and um, I eventually, through Campus Crusade for Christ and C.S. Lewis books, Mere Christianity, and others, um, I came to faith in Christ in in, uh, college. And I, I, I for a long time, kind of harbored questions about which of these theories I was going to use to reconcile Scripture and and, uh, science, but I, I came to believe that Scripture holds up so well in every other way I mean you, you can trust its advice for mankind it reflects a, an incredible understanding of the mind of man the soul of man mm-hmm. it's it's internally um, what's the word I want uh, it, it holds it's consistent it holds together uh, within itself it squares well with what we know about history uh, of that part of the world in those times and um I find that it's trustworthy in every way. So for me at least, and I, I realize this isn't a salvation issue, this isn't anything that uh, has has any uh, eternal consequence, but for me, this, the Scripture describes six 24-hour days, and I'm going with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's what it says. So I, I would be a young earth creationist. So, um,
1: you know, like... Uh I don't have much of a knowledge of science but when I when evolution has been explained to me like the mechanisms of evolution through mutation my thoughts are it seems like well perhaps it's not a um impossibility um theoretically like a mutation could be anything but it seems like it's more like a statistical impossibility um that through mutations um that an organism can grow more advanced, and the and in looking for an examples of that, you know, I can't find any um, that are real clear to like a non-scientist. Like some people um, talk about examples that are kind of like more test tube type of examples of like, but um, but when the, the examples um, that are kind of more like real, like like you know like um, lactose intolerance or um, sickle cell anemia, or I'm not pronouncing that quite right, but those, um, when you look into them, though there's an accidental advantage for the organism, it's really uh, a degrading of the, um, you know, something's breaking and it just happens to work out a little bit it works out better for them in some way, but it's not like they're growing more advanced through the mutation. So I, um, does it kind of make sense what I'm saying?
0: The more we learn, we realize that when we see mutation, it's, it's a degeneration in genetic information that was there in a more perfect form in the first place, which would support creation. And it's, been kind of difficult for evolutionists to theorize how the mutations might have occurred, but radiation was a a contender. And back when I was in high school, they would would ship fruit flies all over the country to uh, high school students who were looking for mutations, and they had been irradiated. And what they discovered after 3,000 generations of fruit flies being studied all over the country by students was that if there was a mutation, it was deleterious, and that Either the fruit fly wouldn't be able to reproduce or it would it, its offspring wouldn't have the mutation that it had. so it kind of shot the idea of evolution in the head at least as far as any reasonable cause for mutation and one of the guys that uh, did all that work was Kenyon, and I knew a fellow at Iowa State who, along with two other authors, wrote a book uh, about see mystery of life's origins reexamining current theories and Thaxton was one of the authors and they uh had Kenyon read the book because they figured they wouldn't get a more critical audience for the book than him. He was sort of the great guru of evolution. He read the book and changed sides. oh wow, he writes the forward for the book hmm. and okay. just wow. just in the foreword, he he lists quite a number of things that are totally destructive, the theory of evolution. It's really an interesting book. And Thaxton was a Christian. The other two were not. One became a Christian in the course of it. And and the third one was described as struggling.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, well, lately I've been reading and listening to an Old Testament scholar from... um, we and John Walton, um, and he write he wrote a commentary on Genesis, and his, you know, there's something else I was going to say before we go there. Um, something I don't understand. Like I don't know much about science, but sometimes the argument for evolution is like we have accidents in our DNA and stuff that matches other ant animals and chimpanzees and stuff like that and um and it seems like the only that it's an accident so it's not there for a particular reason so um the only way to explain it is that the the DNA there goes back to a shared DNA at some point have you ever looked into that or thought about it or anything
0: um not sure where you where you're wanting to go with that, but let um, me stop just a second. Okay. Um, the genetic code mm-hmm. was originally thought to have all kinds of redundancies and and just empty information, just junk. Okay. And the more they study it. They realize there isn't any junk. And, and not only that, if you picture um, maybe a row of dominoes, with each domino representing one of the uh, purine bases that codes for a particular uh, amino acid in, in a protein sequence, and they discovered that this group of, of um, dominoes or, or purine bases codes for this. And, and overlapping with that, there's another group that codes for something else. And you know, how could you, by accident, come up with something that has overlapping information okay. that codes for different things? I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. So, so I guess what I'd say to that, and I'm certainly not an expert in this, there are marvelous books written about this. Um, the one called The Cell comes to mind, and I can't think of the author. But mind-bogglingly complex the human well any kind of a cell really but uh, when you look at the amount of information that's needed there it it just couldn't possibly have come about by chance okay and michael behe um darwin's enigma i think is the book came up with the idea of uh, irreducible complexity and he looks at several systems in the body and in, in nature and in other living things where the simplest something could possibly be requires so much information that it couldn't possibly have come about by chance. Because part of the, the code wouldn't code for anything useful. You have to have all of it together to make the thing work. And uh, the idea is that the body, for example, has so many systems like that that to suppose that they all came about by chance when any one of them is so unlikely to have come about by chance that the, the totality of it is just mind-bogglingly impossible. <laughs> you, right. you just can't begin to, to, to believe that. Okay. And, and yet the way you come up with that is if you draw a box around science in, in a way that it excludes the supernatural, it excludes God, mm-hmm. it's the only answer, lame as it is, that you can come up with. Right, yeah. That, exactly. that uh, you know, right. it has to be chance because what else right. could there be? Time, chance, and natural processes, and and the right. supposed age of the universe has been extended longer, 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 and longer, so as to give evolution the the chance to, to work. Right, but it's still not believable because even that isn't enough time.
1: Okay, because
0: okay. I, I don't. May, I might have, might have lost your original question, but <laughs>
1: no, that's okay. I think that was a good answer. You said it. You know, you said stop. Do you want me to edit? Part of this last section. no, I,
0: I just needed thirty seconds to think. <laughs> sure, that's
1: fine. Okay, I understand. Uh, okay, let me kind of go where I was going. So there's this okay. fellow. His name's John Walton. So John something Walton. I forgot the middle initial. And um, in his opinion, the evolution or you know or not evolution, it's like it's t- it's totally a non-issue because when he and um, as he looks at the Genesis. He's saying um we naturally go to materialistic thinking when we read the creation story just because of who we are as modern people, but um that's not where the original audience you that's not that didn't even wasn't even a thing for them, but it was um it was, you know, how do things function together? And um so you know, the seven days, um he um and he's kind of coming up with this somewhat by comparing other, you know contemporary literature of the time from other people groups ethnic groups you know and and what they um you know was important to them and then here was Israel's version you know that um shown Yahweh you know God as um the one who um puts everything order everything, everything was chaotic um and he gives function you know he he divides the the day and the night he gives the uh, the he creates light and he gives the um heavenly bodies function for you know signs for years and stuff i forget exactly how it's put but um and then on the seventh day it's like god himself entering into his creation to take up reign over everything so it's like if you were um kind of like uh, if you were putting together a school um you know you would um organize it like well here's the staff here's the president here's the students you know and here's the schedule and everything and now boom things start and that's kind of like when god entered in and things function and so forth have you ever um heard uh, things along those lines, or do you have any thoughts about it, or is that totally new stuff?
0: So he's he's making the creation account allegorical?
1: No, he's saying, uh, well, maybe some... No, it's not allegory. He's saying, um, yeah, maybe it would be. Um, he's saying, yeah, the, the day means 24 hours, but he's saying it's not talking about material things at all. That's not the things that were important to that people What's important to those people, the the author, the recipients of the, the writings at that time, were how things function together and uh, who put all of that together and reigns as Lord over it.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I'm not sure from your description quite where he's going with that. I okay. Mean, how, how does that... Doesn't answer any of my questions, <laughs> right? I guess,
1: and that's and his opinion would be that's because you got questions they didn't have because we okay. are more of materialistic type of things. I mean, type of people and think that way. So we want to know how did the material, you know, molecules and molecules and atoms and so forth come into existence and stuff like that. And he's saying to those people that wasn't their. They didn't have that question. Their question was more of, like, how are things functioning together, and what role do things play, and um, who's the god of, over all of it, and so forth. So, well,
0: I, I think one of the hang-ups for the day-age theory, the uh, theistic evolution theory, and the gap theory mm-hmm. is, is the order of things related to sin and death. Mm-hmm. If if death follows sin, then there can't have been hundreds of millions of years of, of uh, trial and error of evolution and all these dead bodies, dinosaurs and, and what have you. Um, in, in the ground fossilizing, when God recreated things and then, uh, you know, a, a perfect world and then sin and then death, because death preceded, uh, sin and that it doesn't square with scripture. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Well, you were telling me about, um, abortion and that's, um, really, a, something you're passionate about as well. Um, and I, you were mentioning, you know, how that came about and, um, Talking about like a a human baby, just the size of a thimble or your thumb—I forgot how you put it—that's um, distinctively human and everything like that. Um, so can you, can you tell us more about that for us who may not understand? Um, you know uh, that you know the body, human body, and things as, as much as you do.
0: Well, I I went from electrical engineering into a graduate program in biomedical engineering and that's where i added more uh, anatomy and physiology and and uh, some surgical experience and then went off to medical school and again that first year you get you get a lot of basic science and i guess i had come to realize that that a human body is an incredible miracle and it's it's beautiful and when you when you look in the mirror, you're looking at the most complex thing in the universe. Hmm. And uh, you know when when evolution tells you that, that man is just a continuum uh, amongst the animals, I, I don't believe that. It's not just head and shoulders above everything else. It's it's light years different. And and what makes it different is a soul, but but also the mind. Uh, the brain of man is is just not comparable. When you When you talk about uh, language, for example, you know I guess crows have a couple dozen spe- special signals that they use for one another and porpoises can mm-hmm. communicate and so on and so on. But when you consider people that know six and eight languages and tens of thousands of words in each of them, and, and when you think of music and mathematics and you know reading and writing and, and all the things that extend human communication, you, you've got this marvelous thing. And then with, with that background and that awe and respect of the human body, I was expected as a sophomore student to observe an abortion. And abortion had just been legalized. This would have been 73 or 74. And I wasn't happy about it. But if, if I were to try to help you understand what I saw, it would be as if you were sitting someplace safe like a church And somebody came into the back door of the sanctuary with a machete and grabbed somebody at random, man or woman or a child, and hacked them to pieces with the machete and put the pieces in a big trash can liner and hauled it out to the dumpster while everybody stood there and watched, you would have a pretty good picture of what abortion looks like. It's just that the human being being killed is much smaller. And I hasten to add that my heart goes out to women who have had abortions. I think they deserve the utmost understanding and compassion. They live in a country that encourages this, and it encourages the situations that allow babies to be born other than in a family. And my heart goes out to people who who do abortions. We had a fellow at the University of Iowa who was brought from California to start up the clinic um, that did abortions. And after a couple of years, he quit. And he explained to our sophomore class or junior class, I forget, um, that he realized that what he was doing was taking the life of a human being. And and in, in today's vernacular, I would probably have said, well hello. <laughs> I mean, why did it take so long to figure out what's so obvious? But anyway, these, these people they hurt. I mean, how how would you deal with having done that and then you know to the tunes mm-hmm. of tens of thousands and then realize that what you're doing and teaching others to do was, mm-hmm. was wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think you know there's there's nothing that God can't forgive that we want to be forgiven for. Mm-hmm and And uh I think we need to lead people who are embroiled in this thing to uh the compassion that Jesus has for them but um for me it's it's just so horrendous that I can't get my mind off of it and that the image of of that little baby about the size of my little finger hacked to pieces and reassembled on a on a paper towel and then thrown into a dumpster or a you know a, a kicktop, uh, trash can, biohazard lining, no less. Um, I, I just can't forget that. And we're now at uh, 60 million babies in our country and a one and one and a half billion, I guess, in the world. And, and to a point where the most common cause of death among children is abortion. And this is deeply, profoundly wrong.
1: Yeah. What you said about, um, you know having sympathy for those who are involved in it kind of registered with me because um even if they're denying it suppressing the truth and so forth i mean that doesn't um deny just the reality of what's going on and how that surely still affects them i mean when we deny sin or we try to live as if it didn't make any difference it still does make a difference. And, um, I, so I ag- agree with you that we should have, um, you know, f- feel for what they're in and, uh, desire that they come to repentance and come to no forgiveness, and you know, from, from that. What, um, what are your thoughts about what the church should be doing, um, You mentioned maybe it was before the recording that, you know, we're not doing enough. Like, so
0: what would it look like if we were doing what would be appropriate? The most obvious is we can vote for people who are opposing abortion. Mm -hmm. When you think that 45 years or so ago, the mantra of the people who supported abortion was safe, legal, and rare and now you see term abortions celebrated in legislatures and i think that's appalling it's just absolutely appalling and we've we've uh, cheapened life and we've become a more violent society in part because of abortion but voting is one thing and there are any number of organizations that oppose abortion uh 40 days for life, students for life, uh, right to life, and so on. Uh, the movie, un- Unplanned, I would get that in, in the hands of as many as, as, as there are who are willing to watch it. It's uh, it, it exposes abortion for what it is. Um, we can volunteer in, in clinics that, that counsel young women who think they want to have an abortion. So there are a lot of things to do. So there's financial support, there's prayer support, and there's time you know we can donate our time
1: i've um i guess like i've heard that statistics say that abortion
0: the the amount
1: of abortions have has gone down
0: over the years is that i would say for a great many years it was about a million and a half a year and now it's about a million
1: okay so it's going down but it's still a lot yeah okay Well, let's talk a little bit more about yourself chip and um like your walk with God. How has that um changed over the years just your um maybe your knowledge of who God is, what he's like, you know through just your experience of walking with him or through maybe um you know your meditating upon the word and stuff um has has that grown or and developed, or do you have any thoughts about, um, you know, just who God is that
0: uh, you've gained, you know, through the years? In addition to Scripture, there have been quite a number of books that have been a blessing to me. Okay, yeah. And I don't know if you want me to get into that or not. I would. I'd, I'd like to well, know
1: about any books that have had an um, impact
0: on you. C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity okay um uh, john R. w stott basic christianity okay um j b. Phillips your God is too small hmm. and there's tozer and Packer are great christian writers mm-hmm. um, more recently uh Michael Brown's book jezebel's war on america very interesting hmm. and uh Nothing jumps into my head right right off as far as other books, but there have been quite a number over the years that I've I've really oh uh, R C Sproul the Holiness of God that, that's okay. that's a marvelous book mm-hmm. um, so I, I think I'm I'm shaped by by books by pastors and their messages by Scripture itself okay just recently uh, well three years ago now I guess had, a, had an experience that kind of showed me how interested God is in the tiny details of your life. I had prayed for a a clear picture of what we were to do with our lives the next winter, and I think that prayer was sometime in August. And no answers um, came in the next couple of months, but then in October we were uh, traveling with friends, and we ended up in Oklahoma excuse me, Oklahoma at a McDonald's. And we just suddenly got the urge to stop at McDonald's and where we usually drive through, we decided to go in and I was wearing a bright orange shirt, which is not really my style. (laughs) I'm pretty, pretty laid back. And it said on the front, um, love Jesus, serve others. And I had gotten at a, at a camp where we volunteered and a fellow came up to me out of the blue and started talking to me about the t-shirt and, um, Turns out he was from RGBI, hmm. and he, in, in the course of five minutes, gave me the answer to my question. And that's there was space in the cabinet shop, they, they had money for projects in the cabinet shop, mm-hmm. and they needed help. Mm-hmm. So that was as clear direction as you could ask for. And bear in mind, I was 700 miles from home, he was 700 miles from home, mm-hmm. and we had to meet in a five-minute window at the right restaurant. Along Hmm. the interstate, Mm -hmm. and what all did God have to orchestrate to make that happen? And that's that's uh, minute details. (laughs) Yeah, coincidence? I don't think so. Hmm. So it's things like that along the way that have have uh, kind of made it just easier and easier to believe. And I've seen people impacted by by becoming Christians in a way that's just unbelievable. ia brother-in-law, um, he and his wife into alcohol and drugs and, and just all kinds of stuff. And as far from God as you can imagine, and, and my brother-in-law, Jean went to a funeral and came home and told his wife, we're going to church. <laughs> wow. And she was moderately flabbergasted. <laughs> and she asked why. <laughs> and he said, well, when I have a funeral, I want somebody to be at it. That was his justification for going to church. He wanted hmm. he wanted a, wanted church connections so that there would be somebody at his funeral. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were taken underwing by by a pastor. Within a couple weeks, became Christians, and it it just changed their lives so profoundly that if if Satan backs me into a corner and I have a doubt, I just think of Gene.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the th- that's something that really gives me. Um I guess uh assurance to the, the reality of all of this um is just my own life um when I was 18 and how God um changed me and opened up a whole new world to me and you know um Are there any r- routines that you enjoy that um like uh, daily or weekly or anything like that that's you know, really meaningful to you
0: and uh, helpful to you? When I was practicing medicine, routines were difficult. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. And uh, now I get to attend church regularly rather than spend some Sunday mornings in the emergency room. And Mm. uh, I I try to spend regular time in Scripture. And as I say, I, I enjoy Christian books, and I try to do that as much as I can. Yeah. Well... Billy, and, oh Chris, Christian radio! My goodness, I, I, I'm very neglectful to not mention that. But um, in the car, you know, whether around town or, or traveling to Texas and back from Iowa, uh, Christian radio is a huge input. Not not music so much, but talk radio and, right. and uh, messages. And uh, I'm incredibly blessed by that. Yeah, you can listen to that as you're traveling
1: long distance, mm-hmm. like picking things up and stuff.
0: Yeah, and then now with uh, cell phones and podcasts, you've got another whole dimension to it. So you you can right. uh, get into that too.
1: Yeah, I enjoy podcasts quite a bit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Billy, um, I don't mean to leave you out there. But no, that's okay. I've been enjoying the conversation. <laughs> um,
1: I guess just one other, one thing that you know I'd want to ask about is. Um, you know, is there any kind of particular challenges of life? Um, you know, when you you know you hear the question, but "This is the you know or what is the challenge of my life?" Of course, there's all kinds of little things that happen here and there, but sometimes for for some people, there's like there's this one thing. You know, Paul speaks of the thorn in the flesh, and you know, there's this one thing that's like. Um, you know just a unique challenge is there anything like that that
0: you've um, had to dealt deal with or still dealing with probably not personal challenges um, growing up as I did in the family I grew up in I I probably find what I want to do as far as behavior very consistent with what God would have me do anyway mm-hmm. so so I'm not you know, I, I have it like like on uh, unshackled. Come from, you know, a horrendous background of, of uh, drugs or whatever, and and uh, I've been spared all that. So personal struggles, no. I, I guess if something really occupies my mind a lot with struggle right now. It's where our country's going, hmm. and uh, I love our country. It's it's not perfect but it 's still the best around, and it was founded originally on Christian principles and they 're largely being swept under the rug and uh, I, I just I just struggle to see the direction i mean when you look at what 's going on in our country, not just in government but in oh sexual trafficking and abortion and drugs and it 's pretty horrifying hmm. and uh, God has been taken out of government, been taken out of the schools. Um evolution as ridiculous as it is is being pushed k through college, and you know our our kids are being taught socialism and communism, which have never worked mm-hmm. and and you just wonder where does all this go hmm. and uh mm-hmm. you just you do a lot of a lot of praying related to that so if, if there's a struggle, I guess for me, it would be that
2: mm-hmm. is there anything you want to bring up billy um I don't know. It's all very interesting. I, I think. Um, did you say it was three years ago that uh, you heard about? Well, how long ago was it that you heard about?
0: Well, I knew RGBI? about I knew about R G B I because I had been down here on an Arvix project. Okay. And we came over and toured one day. Okay. And I met Bob in the shop then. Okay. And we'd kind of kept in touch, and uh, I'd even called a couple times, and, and they're either wasn't a place for the RV or there wasn't uh any project to do or there wasn't money for the projects or whatever oh, okay. so I kind of gave up uh, inquiring. Okay. And then out of the blue it seemed uh I I met this fellow from RGBI at a McDonald's.
2: And and how long so, ago was that?
0: I think that was 3 years.
2: Yeah, okay. And that's when um we came uh, this January makes 3 years that we've been okay. here. Okay. So and I was trying to remember how we how did we fall into conversation and end up talking. Oh. I f- I feel like it might have been because you mentioned C.S. Lewis, and that oh, that could stuck be. out to me. And we so we yeah,
0: got talking could, and could be. and stuff. Yeah, I've I've read a lot of C.S. Lewis. I've been blessed by many things that he's written.
2: Have you? Uh, I've always enjoyed most his fic- the fiction, yeah, and I've, it sounds like you okay. <laughs> and anyway, uh,
0: we read it to the kids. And, oh,
2: Okay, so that that was kind of part of our our family tradition too. Reading yeah. the, uh, my dad reading the Chronicles of Narnia to us and everything. And I'm rereading the space trilogy right now, and really enjoying it. Getting a lot more out of out of it than I ever have before. But with Out of the Silent Planet, Pellinandra, and that that Hideous Strength. Yeah, I,
0: I've read all those. I I couldn't have rattled off the names right now, but <laughs> uh-huh.
2: yeah. But it seems like I, I haven't done a whole lot of fictional reading in the last few years. And then going back now, I'm really enjoying it and realizing there was so much, it seems like there's always more you can get out of C.S. Lewis's books oh, yeah. <laughs> than you realize the first time. Yeah. Speaking of C.S. Lewis, have you read Till We Have Faces?
0: It would have been a long time ago, but I have.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's one of my favorites of his. It just resonates with me I for some reason. I should reread
0: that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, um, it's kind of like uh it's just kind of confusing, I mean, but i each time I read it, which has been about a half dozen times now, at least, I get more out of it, and it's just like kind of like the Chronicles of Sonardia, there's just little parts that just kind of remind me of spiritual things in it, you know,
2: and uh,
0: but I enjoy it. Well, the man was given incredible insight and I think he didn't he become a Christian in his fifties? I don't know, but it and was late and later, life. yeah, and uh when you think of how much he's impacted Christianity, as as probably the leading apologist of the twentieth century, hmm. um, pretty astounding, <laughs> right? Really. Yeah, A very very gifted man.
1: In, w- in what ways are you? Do you see yourself as gifted? Just by how how God has made you? Um, what you know? How has He shaped you so that you're particularly good at
0: this or that? Interesting you would ask that. I don't think I've ever had anybody ask, but I think what comes to mind as is, is my initial answer to that is I've been built in a way that I look for the flaw. Hmm. And I, I went to scripture with that. I went to science with that. I studied engineering. And in engineering, it's very useful because when you design something, you look and, and ask yourself... If this fails, what happens? If this part fails, what happens? And uh, in medicine, it's also very useful because whether you're looking for a lump in the abdomen or something abnormal in the back of the eye that you see with an ophthalmoscope or asymmetric reflexes or a little skin lesion that doesn't look just right, you're looking for the flaw. Mm -hmm. And uh, God has made me that way. Hmm. And my wife would tell you that it's not always good, <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah.
1: Is there any um, way that um, you seem the opposite of gifted? A week, I or something
0: that you would like to be different? That you would, you know. that nothing comes to mind doesn't mean that there aren't a number of things that that uh God would see me improve. But as far as something that jumps out in the in the lead, I'm I'm not sure. Uh I don't always have the strength of my convictions. Okay. And you know, when I when I believe something I may uh may back down and, and uh that's not good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I don't know, a really profound answer doesn't come to come to mind on that one. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Um
1: Well, I have like kind of one more thing to bring up, but anything
2: else that you'd like to bring up? No, not really. I've enjoyed listening. Yeah. Um
1: I guess one thing that's um I'd like to ask is what would you have done differently? Or what would you yeah have done differently in life if you could go back 10 or 20 years and um do things differently is there anything maybe there's nothing
0: i probably would have chosen a specialty in medicine that is more useful in the mission field okay general internal medicine is is like the well, it's like family practice for the adult and so i so i don't take care of children you know much before age 10 or so and um, internal medicine is kind of a, a high-tech profession. You've got all these fancy tests that you depend on and, and fancy treatment modalities as well. And you go to a mission field, and it's, it's medicine at a, a more basic level than that. And I, right. I wished I'd either gone into you know, some surgical subspecialty that's needed in the field, like uh, ophthalmology, for example, or uh, orthopedic surgery or general surgery. Hmm. or even family practice, I think would prepare you better for the mission field. But I I find that in a mission setting, I would probably be totally inept. (laughs) So that's one thing I would change.
1: I see. Right. That makes sense.
0: The the road not taken.
1: Okay. I wasn't going to do this, but I think I will. We'll finish up with a lightning round, a fire round. I don't know (laughs) what to call it, but... um, I'll just ask you just some questions. They're just kind of more brief and casual and maybe fun a little bit. And um, it's just kind of whatever comes to mind first. Um, if you were invited to dinner, what is something you hope is not on the menu? Chocolate. Okay. Mm, huh? What's the last movie you watched?
0: I'm, I have to say I'm violently allergic to chocolate. I would, okay. I would eat chocolate and go straight to the emergency room. <laughs> the, the last movie. Oh. Let's see, I saw The Battle of Midway. Oh, I want to see that the and gr- recently. That was good. You know. uh, oh, I'm blanking. Just more recently, I saw something with my wife. And uh, it's a Christian movie, too. Oh, no, not even that. On the way uh, down here, I, I have to drag this 1,500-mile trip out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we have little carrots along the way. And one of them was to stop and see a, a movie, uh, uh, Little Women. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that was well done. I, I thought that was interesting. She she thanked me again and again for going like it was suffering terribly that I had to go, but actually I, I thought it was good.
1: Yeah. Um, what's a particular talent that you have that most people don't know about?
0: Oh, probably the, the woodworking. Okay. And, and there again, finding the flaw, I, I'm I'm a fanatic woodworker. I build furniture. I can never make a living living at it because I'm very slow. But, but I'm I'm very careful, and that's that's. uh, I've had people ask me to make grandfather clocks and things, and I said no. I can't lose my amateur status, and I'm too slow. I take too long, and I'm too expensive. But yeah, so uh, probably the the woodworking thing. A lot of people actually something else people don't know about me is that my name is actually Arthur. Oh, is it? I've had people know me for 20 and 30 years that didn't know my first name wasn't actually Chip. Okay. (laughs) But I got Chip from the Sunday Funnies from an older brother and sister when I was a week old, and it stuck. So, Chip is. (laughs) Yeah. So, if somebody calls and asks for Arthur, I know it's a telemarketer or a politician.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of handy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, really, it is. (laughs) Um, What's your favorite type of social interaction, like... uh, A discussion over coffee, a loud party, dancing, a big meal, something different than that?
0: Uh, To go out with one other couple or or have another couple over. Right. The the lots of people, big party thing is not my my scene at all, nor nor my wife's either.
1: Right. What's a purchase that you made lately that's made an impact on your life? Hmm.
0: We have not really bought a great deal of anything lately. Uh, You know, nothing comes to mind there. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay,
1: that's fine. Well, it's been good to talk with you, Chip. I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. And um, is there um, anything like... um, some people have like a, a blog or anything they they would like to refer people to if if they wanted to kind of keep up with them anything I like that I don't okay uh-uh. all right well, I wish you well your Thank season you. here as a winter volunteer
0: appreciate you go back to making sawdust all right sounds <laughs> good
1: if you use a podcast app like iTunes please give a review of conversations about life